Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Another week, another guest. And this guest is so special, so exciting. This is a woman who has been in the network marketing industry for 30 years. She has built um, one downline, as she says, and became a top earner at that company. She then moved on to help corporate teams of network marketing companies. She also worked in the field, and now she has her own consulting company where I actually had the pleasure of working with her at my very first company. She was a very instrumental part in the manifestation of the Lexus that I earned and drove around for free for four years um, when I was really, really building my first business. And it is just such an honor and such a treat to have Leslie Zan on the podcast today. This conversation, I really wanted to ask her how she sees the industry today, what skills are needed today versus when she first started. And you're going to find, what you're going to hear and find is that not much has changed, right? A few things have changed, but the essence of network marketing has really stayed the same. So enjoy this conversation Grab your notebooks. There's lots and lots of gems in here and enjoy. Computer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It's Christy Dole, and you're listening to When Hustle Meets Flow. And I am so excited to announce the guest we have on today. Um, her name is Leslie Zan. She has been in the industry. I'm going to have her tell her whole story here in a moment, but she's been in the industry for decades. She is a leader, she is a coach. And she is someone that I learned from when I was building and growing my Rodan and Fields team. Um, she's been a gift. And I'm going to share a little story after you share your story about how you were so instrumental in me growing my business. You probably don't know this, but I'm going to share it. Um, and so welcome to the podcast, Leslie Zan. <laughs> Thank you, Christy. I was so excited to hear from you. And when you invited me to join you today. It was very easy to say yes, absolutely yes. It's a pleasure to be with you and congratulations on your podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So um, Leslie, tell us if no one's ever heard of you, if they've been living under a rock for the last however many years, <laughs> tell us um, who you are, your background and kind of what's what's happening in your world right now. So they know who you are. All right. So Leslie Zan, you can find out more in a variety of places. I'm on Instagram at Leslie-Zan, that's Z-A-N-N. I have a website, LeslieZan.com. I'm on Facebook. I've got a number one bestseller called Outrageous Achievement. You can find that on Amazon. So you go to any of those places and you're going to learn all about me. And I've been in the profession, the direct selling network marketing profession for over 30 years. In 91, my mother sponsored me into uh, her direct selling business. It was a health and nutritional company. It's the only company that I actually built a downline. She and I worked together for 16 years with that same company. We both built to the top of the pay plan. And when the founders of that company retired and sold the company, the new owner asked me if I would be a bridge between his new corporate team and the field because I had done a lot of field training. And that began an eight-year corporate career with four different companies. And in all four of those companies, I had a field-facing, field development position. So I was three years with BodyWise. 
And then when it was time to leave, I took a gig with another nutritional company up in Montreal. I took Mm -hmm. a gig there for a year. And while I was up in Montreal, a recruiter kept calling me saying, I know this company and they're going to launch and you're a perfect fit. You've got to do it. And I found myself flying to San Francisco and I was interviewed by uh, Lori Bush, who was a CEO at the time and the doctors. And that began a three-year career with Rodan and Fields. That's where I met you, Christy. Yep. And when that gig came to an end, I took one more corporate gig with a party plan company and it was with Jockey International. And so they weren't selling underwear, they were selling women's active wear. Mm. And I'm not taking credit for this, but for the one year I was with them, just to show the power of this model, it was the fastest growing direct-to-consumer division for Jockey Global. Wow. It was a very exciting time. So that was eight years, four different companies, all different models, meaning yeah. network marketing, direct selling, and party plan. And then I decided to go off on my own and I wanted to, to do what I love you and coach, train and support people in this marvelous profession. And at the same time, I wanted to do it on my own. I wanted to get back to being an entrepreneur. I wanted to have my own business and I wanted to have more freedom to put more personal development and more creativity into my training style. So in 2012, I hung my shingle, Leslie Zan Consulting, and I sit before you, Christy, full of grace and gratitude from day one. I've had more business than I can take. I'm super grateful. I've always been busy and, and worked with marvelous people. And who I really work with, I have two distinct groups of people. Yeah. I either consult corporately. So like Mm -hmm. right now I'm working with four different companies where I'm consulting their corporate team and, or I do field development training. So a company would hire me to either speak at a convention or speak at conferences or do monthly, weekly training to their field and, or top leaders like yourself hire me to do team training or advanced leadership training with their teams And so I'm very fortunate. It's always very inspiring and very creative. And unlike a lot of people who support our profession, I customize everything I do to the particular company. So I learn their pay plan. I learn their business model. I talk in their language. And I really feel what what has allowed me to have such a robust business and ongoing business is because of that unique experience of having built a successful downline, built corporate with all the different business models, and then now 10 years successful as an independent consultant. So I wake up inspired and grateful every day. God, I love you. Um, (laughs) I love sitting across from you. Um, Okay. So that is amazing. And I have to share my story of my experience with you because it's so powerful and it's a really big piece of my story. So when I was working in my company for the first time and I was starting to grow you I was invited to um a live talk with you in New York I think it was New York do you remember this sort of I do yeah probably Lisa put it together yes and so I went and I was like so excited and I definitely was into personal development at the time but you just took it to a whole new level for me that day and the one thing that I remember is that you had us do, I think you called it vision casting or vision journaling. 
and you had us date it a year. You had us journal and date the top of the page a year from that day. And you were like, write out exactly how you want that this next year to go with detail, with emotion. And I went there. Like, I was like, I hit this rank and I hit this level and I earned the car and it happened this way. And I remember you saying, and I actually do this with my clients and my own self. Now, the more detail, the better. I remember you said that the more details, like how did it happen? And who did you tell? And so I really went there and I wrote this whole thing. And a year later, I earned the car. <laughs> now it didn't happen exactly as I wrote it, but it happened. And I think a huge part is that I just allowed myself to dream and like almost let, allow those neural connections to connect so that it laid the, the, the track, the groundwork for that to happen. And I've always just a huge debt of gratitude to you for that moment. Cause it was life-changing for me. And I, I vision cast every year, um, on new year's. I vision cast every year as well. Yeah. I still coach and train how to take a vision quest and it's vision a quest. very okay. popular presentation. I do a lot of repeat business. So it's not uncommon that a company will call me back to speak at another convention or another retreat or, or a leader will ask me to come speak at a leader retreat. And if they've seen the vision quest or heard about that concept, it's not uncommon that we do it again. And that makes perfect sense because a year later, yeah, we're different women. Yeah. We're, our lives are different. We're different. We see the world different. So okay. yeah, it's a powerful exercise. Congratulations. Okay. Thank you. I mean, it was, it was a big deal. So, okay. So I have so many questions that I want to ask you. So the first question is this, you've been in the industry for 30 years. How has it changed and where are we today? Well, it's big changed question. in a number of ways because, because it is a big question because the world has changed. I would say one of the biggest thing, the obvious thing that has changed our profession is technology. Mm -hmm. And so with all the ways to go virtual and communicate and share videos or visit people online, I mean, when I was in the profession, when I started in the profession, my first biz up was a Kodak carousel. And for those of you listening, if you don't know what that is, Google Google a Kodak carousel and you will crack up. And all, <laughs> we had was, all we had was our phone and it wasn't a portable phone. We had a landline. We right. had the phone in our office and our desk. And that's really all we had to communicate. And when people needed materials, we literally had to put them in the mail and send them to people. So the technology has completely changed the speed and the pace in mm -hmm. which we can communicate. It mm -hmm. personalizes the way we can communicate. It has broadened the reach for us in so many ways. And with all that, it still boils down to the fundamentals that grow our business. I believe the fundamentals that drive success in our profession, they remain the same. So I'm forever coaching people, stick to the fundamentals, utilize social media, but don't hide behind social media. My biggest concern these days is that too many people are, number one, hiding behind social media because it's safer, it's easier. And number two, they're trying to automate a profession that by definition is personality driven. Mm -hmm. And so- 
I want them to use the social media. We'd be silly if we didn't access the social media, but not at the exclusion of talking to people because you must maintain and retain and expand and strengthen those social skills. So not at the exclusion of talking to people. So it is that balance of leveraging social media, still working a list, still talking to people, still getting face-to-face, -face, whether it's virtual or live and, and keep that, that balance. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. many, so many questions popped up from that. So today in 2022, do you think that it, we, if you're growing a network marketing business, do you think that it's important to actually have real three-way actual phone calls versus just messenger three-way chats? You do. I think it's a combination. Oh, absolutely. I think it's a combination. Okay. I could be effective leaving a voice message, no matter yep. how that is. We can be effective, you and I getting together on PM and doing a three-way virtual message or whatnot, but nothing is as powerful as eyeball to eyeball. Now I can be, I can be effective on Zoom. Like I would prefer the Zoom because I think it's that face. I think it's the emotions. I think it's the body language. I think it's the image. So it's a combination. If we're early in the process, perhaps we do it on PM. Perhaps we do it on a text video. Perhaps we do it in a message, but ultimately Eyeball to eyeball sharing our, it, it, this is a business of transferring passion, transferring passion for our products or transferring passion for the business. I'm super good at transferring my passion. And even <laughs> yes, I'm not as good, I'm not as good in a text as I am if someone can see me on a Zoom True. or talk to me face to face. True. So, so I'm just, it's a balance of it all. It's a balance. I'm just going to ask the question that is already coming up in my head that I think others mm -hmm. would have, which is a lot of people today don't want to be seen. Don't, they don't want to be on zoom. So, and I'm thinking about the, the, the customer or the prospect. So, right. and I think it's like a generational thing I do because I'm 40 and I don't mind it, but I'm like, there's 30 year olds and 20 year olds that are like, wait, what? They want me to go on a zoom and like already it kind of, so what, what would you say to that, to that kind of objection? I just can't <laughs> buy into that. I can't buy into that. This is a social business. Yeah. And you, I believe, and I've worked with a lot of women in their thirties. I worked with a lot of women in their twenties and I just don't buy the stuff that nobody wants to talk on the phone and nobody wants to be seen. I can't buy into it. This is a business where we talk to people and we see people and it's never going to be any different. And they may reach a certain level of success only doing it on the phone. Right. And again, I think oftentimes people look at influencers. Okay. Well, influencers are a dime, you know, uh, are not a dime a dozen. Influencers are rare individuals. So perhaps an influencer with a huge following can sell a ton of product and sponsor some people with a good up, they're going to need good upline support if they're actually going to take those leads and turn them into some kind of ongoing volume and duplication and leadership development. And yet for the average person, we are not influencers. We are not that great at social media no matter how old we are we may be super good at going live and going and 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 working virtually but if you're 23 years old what are you lacking you're lacking the experience you're lacking the social skills you're lacking the the um 
the, the skill set and the knowledge base that your upline has. And how are you going to get that? The same way we've always got that by working yeah. together. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Well, here's a one vote for getting on the phone and <laughs> hopping on Zoom. I love that. Hey, we get paid to talk to people. It's, it's way more fun to talk to people face to face. It's true. It's true. Um, so what do you think are the most important skills that somebody needs right now in order to build a, a nice big business in this space today in 2022? Okay. Well, I think a lot of them are the same back then. Well, I mean, I think our profession is 120 years old. I think that the DSA <laughs> just had like their 105th or 110th something at convention. So we're <laughs> over a hundred years old. So some of the skills wow. remain the same as they were a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. And some of them are newer to reflect the world that we live in. So to be successful, if I had to come up with my top tips, um, certainly being coachable, Mm -hmm. you got, just like you have to be coachable in any business. Will you tell me what that right? means to you to be coachable? Coachable mean being willing to learn a new business, being willing to listen to your sponsor, your upline mentor and learn all the different skills or the aspects or the system of the particular company that you joined. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you got to yeah. learn certain skills. Um, I, I would say, so being coachable, being willing to commit time, like mm -hmm. everything else, this is, you know, the people say, oh, you just come in and, you know, you know, I never liked the whole nook and cranny. Um, oh, yeah. Build your I business in the nooks and crannies of your day. Yeah. Never yeah. like that. Never <laughs> like that. To be like, what do you do in the nooks and cranny, right? The shit you don't want to do, like nook and cranny. I'm going to go clean out the sock door, right? That's right. a nook and cranny thing. Nook <laughs> and cranny. I'm going to go weed the garden. Okay. That's a nook. To me, saying you fit this in the nooks and crannies of your life makes it an afterthought. This yeah. isn't an afterthought. This is a business that has the potential to change you spiritually, emotionally, to empower you, to change you financially, to change your life, your family's life, your legacy. This isn't an afterthought. This is a part-time business for most people. So being willing to commit the time to put in your business. If you truly want to turn it from, I just want to get my products paid for to career income, it's going to take time. Um, social media savvy for mm -hmm. sure. And mm -hmm. if you don't know, if you're not as good, like there's so many, there's YouTube videos, there's classes, there's people like we can learn how to have the VIP groups and the private groups and the public groups and to go live and, and to, to pick one or two platforms, Instagram, Facebook, perhaps to start building and a community, learning how to engage with curiosity posts and educational posts and not just sell, 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 sell. You know? So mm. your, your social media, skills are definitely necessary today so the oh oh and a commitment to personal development a commitment to personal development that that would held true 100 years ago and that will hold true 100 years from now because you can learn the skills of this profession you can learn how to do social media how to do connect calls how to work with your sponsor how to work a list how to invite like you can learn the skills but if your head's not in the game, you are just a highly skilled person who is stuck and that doesn't get anyone anything. And so this commitment to daily personal development, I always tell who I always tell the, the group, you got to get your head, your mindset ahead of your paycheck. 
which I think is so important. Oh, I love that. that. Mindset must, yep, get your mindset ahead of the paycheck. Or as Jim Rohn always said, one of my favorite thought leaders, Jim Rohn always said, work harder on yourself than your business or your job. Mm. Marianne Williamson said, love you her. have to you have to master a new way to think before you can master a new way to be. So uh, there's so many beautiful ways to say it, but basically you got to get your hand. In. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love that. So quick question about being coachable. What would you say are the reasons why people are not coachable? What's their problem? <laughs> not, not really a problem. It's more, it, I, I, honestly, usually it comes down to ego yeah. is really what it is. Yeah. Like, I don't need you to you don't have to tell me this stuff. Like I know how to do this. So it normally comes down to ego. I believe it either comes down to ego, immaturity, inexperience, lack of trust, trust. lack of trust for sure. Yeah, for sure. Although if the relationships have just started, um, you know, why would you sponsor him with someone you don't trust? But that's a fair and interesting point. So maybe it's early in the relationship and they've let them down. They, you know, and that's a whole part of leadership. If you say you're going to be there, be there. If you say you're going to do it, do it. So if you have not lived up to that, like that's very excellent. I'm going to add that from now on. Lack of trust would definitely be a reason to be uncoachable. Um, fear, mm-hmm. right? There or and then with a lot of fears. You know, there's so many fears. So they just they're too fearful to actually move into action. So um, inability to express their unwillingness yeah. to act. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So many things. There's a lot of reasons. Okay. So let's talk about upline support for a moment. <laughs> We're going to get a little nitty gritty here. What would you say to someone who doesn't feel like their upline is helpful or their upline has hurt them or they have past trauma from past uplines. And now they're really gun shy. They've got uh, PTSD with uplines. <laughs> this is real. This is so real. And it, I hear about this all day, every day. What, what advice do you have for that? Okay. So first of all, for past uplines, journal it, get over it and don't don't put those, those issues on your new sponsor. That's not fair. That's just self-sabotage, right? If you had trouble with a former sponsor and she's not your sponsor anymore, journal it out, talk to a therapist, drop the baggage, get over that shit. Like, like don't transfer whatever happened with, you know, sponsor A with sponsor B. That's not fair. That's just self-sabotage and unwillingness to move forward. So I, I get that that's real, but there are solutions to let that go. Okay. Now, as far as an existing sponsor that either has let you down or betrayed you or the management style doesn't resonate with you or whatever, a couple of ways, a lot of ways to go around it. First of all, I always recommend just have nothing left unsaid, right? Mm-hmm. Just make sure that there's no drama, but professionally, if, if maybe you don't like their management style. So put a few bullets on paper, go prepared, no drama, no judgment, no right or wrong. And just say, you know, Susie Q, it's just like when you talk to me that way, this is how it makes me feel. Or when you say you're going to show up and you don't show up, this is how I feel. Or this isn't working for me. Can we come up with a solution together? Because I am committed to learn and build a business. So at least try. 
And if for whatever reason, it's not going to work because, you know, you can't pick your parents and, you can, you know, you, you can't pick your upline. Like there's just sometimes it's the way it is. If that a person is not working for you, there's always going to be people above them. So you can and should reach out to the person above your sponsor or maybe yeah. even above them. Like there's in most pay plans, two, three, four, five people are getting paid on your effort. So their job, and they know it, their job is to support you and work with you. Not way far up, way out of your pay line. Although we do find nice people who will do that. And based yeah. on the pay plan and compression and roll up, they're willing to gamble if your hand's really up. But find somebody, put your hand up and, and, and you'll find the help. Now, on another side, let's say you haven't been active. You haven't been active for a while. You just mm -hmm. haven't been working at a pace. You really haven't been doing anything. And you're wondering why your sponsor isn't reaching out and supporting you and working with you. And it's because as successful, as people become successful, they only have the time to work with those people who truly have their hand up. We're not making a judgment. It's not like we hate you or we don't like you or we're excluding you. It's just we only have time to work with those people who truly have their hand up. And that's the advice I give leaders, work with the people with their hand up. Mm -hmm. So if you have been inactive for a period of time and now you're thinking, hey, I'm ready to do this, then I recommend you call your sponsor and text. This is a conversation. And yeah. hey, look, I admit I have not been as active as I could have been, but I'm ready to go now. My hand is up. Give me 30 days to prove it to you. And then create a game plan together. How are you going to work together? How are you going to work a list? How are you going to do social media? How are you going to invite to events? Whatever your system is. And then you prove to her over 30 days that you're worthy of her time and attention. Okay. Wow. I love that. And so I just want to reflect anyone listening permission to go above your upline because a lot, I think a lot of people come in here with a, uh, J O B mentality. Like they think the person that brought them in is their boss and like, they can't talk to anyone else. Um, and similarly, what would you say to somebody who has a team that is struggling with boundaries on helping people. I work with so many people that feel like it is their responsibility that the people that they bring in do well. And I, you tell me if this is if what you think, but I just tell them like, everybody's a 1099. Everybody's an independent contractor. Like at ultimately it's her business. If she's asking you for help, if she's showing up, do it. But don't like, it's like you used to say, or I can't remember who said this, but like, you can't like, um, you can't like wake the dead. It's just, was that you? Is that yeah. like, yeah, that's you. We always say it's easy. It's easier to, well, I didn't make it up. I'm just oh. repeating it. It's, it's probably been said since cavemen were building down lines. So <laughs> it's, it's easier to give birth than resurrect the dead. There you go. That's it. I screwed it up. But what would you say to uplines that feel like, you know, they get into management mode and, and I mean, I have my own theories around this, that it goes back to, um, like inner child stuff, to be honest, but I'm curious what your, what your thoughts are. <laughs> okay. So the question is, why do people manage? So why do they manage their downline? Easy answer. Cause it's easy. Yeah. Much easy. To, it's much easier, more fun to manage a downline than it is than to do the things necessary to build yeah. a business. 
put yourself out there, prospect, follow up, invite, talk to people, do the connect calls, bring them on board, onboard them well, work with them, get into their sphere of influence and watch and repeat. It's way easier to work with an existing Dan line and yet they tie it all up in this pretty little bow of denial. Well, I got to work with her, got to be like, she's busy, like I got to help her, like, oh, she needs it. And, and, and so I think, I think it's so important for an emerging leader or a top leader is to recognize who really deserves your time. In fact, I would go so far as to say one of the biggest errors or challenges that keep most emerging leaders from moving to that high echelon of leadership mm -hmm. is because they work with who they have whether they're in action or not. They're basically in denial. Oh, so they look at their downline, they look at Susie Q. Susie Q hasn't done shit since Obama was in office. And yet she's still, <laughs> she's, she's still like, we like her and she's nice and she's terrific. She shows up to all the events. <laughs> exactly, well, they always show up because right. they like the community, but she's yeah. not in action. Right. And so in the leader's mind, Susie's terrific. And one day she's gonna really keep going. Well. Maybe, maybe not. So the question for leaders to always ask leaders is, are you willing to gamble your volume, your title, your paycheck on a bunch of adorable, inactive people? Like that's a, that's a choice leaders have to make all the time. So learning to work with the right people, if they're developing leaders and now we're having a tug of war because the downline leader wants to fly away and do her own thing and she's really trying to pull her back you know that's another issue altogether. and I think there's where again the ego comes into play and the scarcity and the clinging comes into play or the need to be the leader and right and the boss comes into play I usually recommend that look when, when you, you've done your job and developed a leader, I don't believe, I, and I never have, Christy, in this whole philosophy is, well, I've developed a leader, let her fly away, let her leave the nest, bye. Like, I've never believed that. We are still going to work together. We're just going to work differently together. Yeah. I'm not going to, I don't have to give her all the basic fundamentals, maybe every once in a while remind her of them or whatnot. But now what I'm transferring is the leadership lessons I've learned along the way. Why should she learn those lessons the hard way? Just like in the beginning, I helped her learn the basics and the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to help her learn, you know, help her on that path from emerging leader to leader. Yeah, I love that. So what are your thoughts on a couple things just popped up as you spoke about that? Um, let me start with this. Have you noticed in the industry now, listen, I've only been in the industry for eight years and I've been in three companies and I've seen it happen at all three, which is leaders are put on a pedestal and then there becomes this kind of celebrity energy vibe around them. They become untouchable. And this happened. I was on the you know, on the, on the floor with all the, the peons, if you will, when I started and I, there was those celebrities up there. And then I noticed that as I ranked up and I earned the Lexus and the trips, I then became on that. And that made me really uncomfortable. And it was actually a part of a bit of self-sabotage that I had, because when it happened to me, I was like, there, I'm not, who am I? I'm, you know, I had my own mindset stuff. And I think it tripped me up 
but I see it happening so much. And I believe that it actually keeps women down. It disempowers them to have these other women on pedestals. I'm curious what your opinion is on that. And has it always been like that in your 30 years? And where do we go? How do we shift this or do we shift this? Do you think it's healthy? kind of a big question. Well, I definitely think that leaders should be promoted for sure. Promoted yeah. meaning recognized. Okay. The old language. So I think as they achieve and succeed, they definitely should walk the stage. They definitely should be promoted. They should be given training opportunities. They do get to a certain level because they've earned it right now. Certainly there were you know, leaders are all a reflection of the really terrific people on their team working really hard to make their dreams come true. So do we still recognize them? Absolutely. Do they create some kind of celebrity energy? You know, that just happens in the world we live in. My advice to women as you get to that place mm-hmm. is to come from gratitude and not ego. Come mm-hmm. from gratitude to be a leader, knowing that your success is a reflection of the people on your team who you've worked hard to mentor and train and support. So come from a position of gratitude. Now to the mm-hmm. women who say it diffuses their spirit to see these celebrities, Again, to me, I don't buy that. That's self-sabotage. When you see someone of, of at a high level success, they are, they are offering you a peek into the path that you can follow should you choose to. So I don't think they, they dampen because of these people are getting celebrity and attention. I think they dampen it, their, their success. They self-sabotage themselves because they look at them and then they start doubting. Well, yeah. I don't know if I could do that. Or, well, she's only there because she's got so-and-so in her downline and I don't have so-and-so in my downline. Yeah. It's like all that comparison, scarcity, negative fear, energy. It has nothing to do that we put these people up on a pedestal. It's the way they are processing their future vision of themselves and if they feel they have the courage to move forward in that direction or not because there's a whole other group of women who see those women and I'm in one of those and say shit I'm walking across yep. the stage yeah. next year just like yes her. yes so that's the difference is what is your perception of your future vision yeah you know my coach always says that life is a mirror everything is being mirrored back to us. So you just highlighted that beautifully. And I just want to reflect that back that when you see, and it's interesting because I've been on both sides where like, I see someone and I'm like, oh my God, I could never do that. Or like F her or, you know, jealousy or whatever. And then I also see other people and it's like inspiring. And it, it, it gives me hope that just like you said, but if you see someone in your company that is being recognized in all the things, the way that you're viewing that and the the dialogue in your own mind is actually not about her. It's more about you. Is that what you're saying? It's all about you. Yeah. Now let's take two scenarios. Let's say there's someone up there getting recognized that, you know, or saw personally forget rumors who either isn't really working or did things, you know, in a leadership style that you don't like or yeah. feel comfortable with. You can still use that as an example as a future possibility and say, look, I'm I'm going to reach that level of success. Now, my management style is going to be different. Mm. 
right? Yeah. Like if we look around the world today, like there, we have a lot of examples of leadership going on in the world today. And we are talking in January, 2022. There are a lot, you look in politics, you look socially, like there are a lot of examples of leadership going on in the world today, giving us all many opportunities to say, that's the type of leader I wanna be. That is not the type of leader I want to be. That in no way changes the level of success or the type of or the fact that I want to be a leader. It's just I get to choose the type of leader I want yeah, to be. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. You just really open that up so that people can see opportunity, even if they see something negative. So I thought that was beautiful. Okay. My next question, what are your thoughts on leaders? And when I say leaders, I mean, people who really have a team who are high up in rank influence, that sort of thing. But let me back up the question. I believe network marketing is, is a avenue to allow people to ultimately do what they really want. Right. So it's like, you, you build a business so that you have the time freedom to be at home with your kids or to travel or blah, whatever, X, Y, Z. What are your thoughts on people who get to that point of making 10, 20 plus K a month, you know, all the way up to six figures a month and then them deciding, okay, you know what? I actually have this passion here in this thing that has nothing to do with my network marketing company, but it's like my passion, like let's say real estate or, um, I don't know, dancing or something. And so this leader is now scared that if they pursue this passion and post about it and maybe create something around it that they share and, and maybe sell or something that then their team is going to fall apart because now they're not hundred percent focused on the business. The reason why I'm asking this question is because I feel like it's a trap. I feel like we tell people network marketing is an avenue for financial freedom, time freedom, so you can do what you want. But once you get there, don't do, don't let anybody know you're doing anything different because then it's all going to fall apart. What are your thoughts on that? That's a very fair question. Okay. If it's another network marketing business. No, no, no. no. It's, it's okay. And yeah. the answer is no, no, right? Yeah. No, yeah. no. If it's something that else that you're going to sell, Go sell it, but don't sell it to your downline. Okay. Don't sell, don't sell to your downline. Like the reason I've never had drama and why I'm always in demand is because I understand the right and wrong of this profession. Now, yep. I'm not saying I'm big cheese. I'm just saying I understand the right and wrong of this profession. And I've never crossed the line, which is why leaders trust me to talk to their teams. Why companies trust me to talk to their field. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I don't cross the line. To me, that's crossing a line. I don't care if it's a passion. You can go sell something. Just don't sell it to your downline, right? Because your downline is working. They are working diligently to make their dreams come true. And I think it should be a separation of, you know, the old fashioned phrase, separation of church and state. I think it should be a separation. Of that. So you only have 50 billion people out there to sell your thing to leave your downline alone. And when you're working with your downline, continue to focus on helping them reach their dreams and like really jump into those middle management, those emerging leaders and help them move to the next level. And if you don't want to work your business anymore, then don't work your business anymore, but don't sabotage anyone. Don't distract anybody that's just inappropriate leadership so I hear what you're saying what if there's some what if it's so what I'm hearing you say is let's say you have a business you have a team 
And now you have the freedom and the time to create a course on stitching, just totally random stitching is your passion. You love to stitch. And now you want to create a little course. And so what I'm hearing you say is don't post it or talk about it on the thing that post you're doing. Oh. I wouldn't want my downline stitching. They should be talking to people. Right. So I wouldn't, you would create like a whole new it. Instagram page I or something. Would create a whole new thing. And I would okay. have Leslie, the stitcher and a whole other thing. And I would not distract my downline. Okay. And these people that sell their courses and sell their leads and sell their social media train to their downline. I, Hey, who am I? I'm just me. I have my own opinion. I, and I'm not saying I'm right. I'm saying this is my opinion. Yeah. No, I'm not right. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think it's appropriate. Okay. Yeah, I just, don't think it's appropriate. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Next question. Um, what would you say to someone who's like literally doing all the do they are reaching out, they're following up, they're setting up parties, they're asking, they're posting, they're doing the raw vulnerable posts. Like they are doing all the fucking do, sorry. Um, but they're not having any results. What do you say to that? I say, hang on, go grab your sponsor. And if the sponsor is inactive, find someone who's proficient and let's do some work together. I want to hear what she's saying. I actually, this is the perfect scenario for connect calls. I think you asked me in the beginning, are connect calls still viable? Hell yeah. This is the perfect example. We would do some connect calls together. So What's she can hear call? what I, like that's the three-way call. Three-way call. Okay. The same thing. Good, good point. Connect calls are just new words for three-way calling okay okay so i would be doing a connect call and so that she could hear what i say to prospects how i invite how i um answer objection responses how i talk about the products the company the business model etc i would do a few new calls a few calls with her so she could hear some perhaps fresh language i would also listen in and hear what she's saying to people right? Because there's most likely, not always, there's most likely some room for improvement for how she's speaking, how she also want to hear her tone. Is she coming across scarcity? Is she coming across too aggressive? Okay. Like, cause everybody's different. They have their own social skills. I also want to talk about who she's reaching out to. Does she have a $300 product and she's reaching out to people who don't have any money, right? right? So who is she reaching out to? What is she saying? So if we just pretend like it's day one mm -hmm. and really look at what is she saying? How is she reaching out and who is she reaching out to and how consistently she's reaching out to? I think we can make, uh, make ground. I also believe in the ratios. It's so important that everybody has their sponsoring ratio, which means of the number of people you talk to about the business, not just the number of people you say hi to, but of the number of people you talk to about the business, how many do you actually sponsor? Yeah. So when I first did that exercise, I was one in 13. When I left the industry, I was one in nine. That probably came from more experience. And so if I know I'm a one in 10, let's just say, and the fifth or sixth person, like I'm doing the deal, I'm doing the deal, like you say, and the sixth person just told me no, instead of getting in my head and wondering, what am I doing? And nobody likes me. Nobody wants to work with me. How am I going to do this? I don't do that. I'm like, okay, I'm a one in 10 person. That was sick. So it drives me to That's continue. That's a really to good tool. 
Oh my gosh. It's an amazing tool. Everyone should have That's a really then, good tool. I'm going to write that okay, down. Now there's, there's a second part to the ratio. So first yeah. is the ratio of your sponsoring ratio. So who do you sponsor now? It's so fascinating how many companies and leaders recognize top sponsor, which I think is just only half of it. I don't, I don't see why we would sponsor, why we would recognize top sponsor. I mean, I could sponsor a hundred people who don't do anything. Right. So to me, it's, it's the number of people that we sponsor that actually move into the pay plan. And every company mm -hmm. has that beginning position, right? Mm -hmm. Really, if we want to be good, it'd be number of people that jump on your fast start program. But so the second ratio would be of the, of the women that you sponsor, how many move into the pay plan? So everybody's mm, pay plan is different, but there's always a, an entry title. Yeah. Okay. So, so you get a sponsoring ratio. How many people do I have to talk to the sponsor? And, but then I start tracking of the women that I sponsor, how many do I move into the pay plan? And then if you really want to have the money ratio, the third ratio is a fast start ratio. And again, companies have fast start, smart start, achievement right. bonus, whatever it is. Of the women I sponsor, how many do I move through the fast start program? Those three ratios are data points that are going to show your ability to talk to enough people, to sponsor enough people, and to onboard effectively. Really powerful point you just made. I love that. I, I'm actually listening to a book on Audible called Traction. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah. I have and, heard, heard. Okay. And um he talks about, I mean, there's so many things that this man is talking about, but one of the things he talks about is like a really well, well run organization. Um, they have, uh, what was like data points. I forget the word he used, but it was like data points. And it's interesting because before you said that, in my opinion, I'm like, what data points? Like, I think a lot of people think of their business as not a business, but really you can look at your own network marketing business as like a corporation, as a big company. And you can actually use, just like you said, having these data points, I think is really powerful for the mindset piece, which is like, oh, that sixth or seventh person says, no, I don't get all in my head. I know I'm a one in 10 girl. That's powerful. That's really powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Um, okay. Let me say a few more things about data because I'm the data gal. And I normally talk about data in advanced leadership class. So a top leader hires me to work with her top, you know, her and her top leaders. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you can really get into data. And there's a lot of data that is so easily accessible with most people's back office. Like you should be tracking how many people you're talking to every day. You should be tracking how many people who sponsor you. You should be tracking your customer account. If you have a breakaway plan, you should be tracking your level one, two, three volume. Is it growing every month? You should be tracking rank advancements. I mean, there's so many things that you can be tracking. Now, a newbie, tracking. I want a newbie the word. tracking. Yeah, tracking. Yeah. A newbie, I only want her tracking perhaps her sponsoring and her customer ratio. How many people I have to talk to to get a new customer? Right? How many people have talked to you to get a sponsor? So that's it. It shouldn't need to be in their back office. We got things to do. She should be launching her business, having events, posting on social media, working a list with me, doing connect calls. Like we should be doing Zoom events. So, but once you become an emerging leader, and I and I have this conversation with CEOs all the time. I believe words matter, and every pay plan has a middle ground. 
Yeah. And I believe they should be called emerging leaders, not leaders, because they are emerging in leadership. And emerging leaders have different data that they can be looking at. Mm-hmm. And then top leaders who have robust organizations, they have different data that they could be looking at as well. So powerful. And I, I think the act alone of beginning to track actually creates like a portal for more growth because it's almost like, you know, I, I told you before this, I'm, I'm more, I'm way more on the spiritual side than the strategy side, but I believe the energy of tracking, it's like you're sitting in the, in the seat of CEO, you're doing a business task, you're tracking, there's data to look at. And I believe that creates a portal for more growth because it's almost like the universe is like, guys, she's, she's treating it like a business. Let's go ahead and give her some more business to track. So I think that's I also think it's awareness. Like, how are you going to grow your business if you don't know fundamentally where the volume's coming from? Yeah. Like, do you have just one big ass leg and nothing else? Do you, are you have more of a balanced three or four legs and are they growing? Are they stalled? I mean, these, you've got to understand the structure not a newbie who's listening today, but an emerging leader, a top leader, you've got to understand your structure. You've got to understand where your volume's coming from. If indeed you're going to continue to grow effectively. You know, the truth is I started to track my team's volume and all of that stuff, probably like right around that middle piece. I was, I, I don't know if you remember like Rodan and Fields lingo, but it was probably like around like level four, level five that I started, like, I think I had 60 people on my team. And then I started to track and actually I gave my husband the task of it, which made it feel like more of a partnership type of thing, which was fun. And I think tracking led to more growth because it was just like, we were expecting more growth because we were tracking it. I think that's so powerful. Okay. I do, I do know of, your bit. I do know that paper. I like a day hasn't gone by in the 10 years that I've been gone. I've been doing advanced leadership with RNF gals for eight years. I still have emerging leader courses going into 2022. There a day hasn't gone, a month hasn't gone by that <laughs> I've done some kind of work with your company. And I am a huge fan. I'm excited for what's happening now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that company. Um, okay. What do you say to people who say that network marketing is a scam? I mean, I just have to tell you, I'm sure you know, but there are actual Instagram pages that are dedicated to hating on this industry. Do I follow them? No. Do I give them any time? No, I, but I do know that they exist. I've had a few of them on my stuff, um, mm-hmm. like trolling, but like the, the two questions is, what do you say about that? And what do you say to people who are in the industry and they'll see those posts or on like Facebook groups in like mom groups or even business groups, they'll say like, oh, I'm looking for this. No MLMs though. Like that's, that happens a lot and it trips women up big time. Could you talk to well, that? It yeah, it should. Well, I know, but <laughs> hey, I want to be a tall, thin blonde. <laughs> okay. I'm 62. I'm five foot three and I'm a brunette. Ain't going to happen. Like what, like either, either love your profession or don't, right? What do you say to people that don't like the profession? Fine. Don't like the profession. There's people that don't like a lot of things. What do I care? You don't like it. It's not for you. You're not who I'm looking for. 
And when I hear people who don't like our profession, what do I care? It, it, it doesn't, I think this is the only profession on the planet that can help people and allows people, better word, allows people to be as great as they choose to be. Is it for everybody? No. So when people say, I'm looking for this, but no MLM. They don't want to work this hard. They don't want to sell. They don't want to sponsor. They don't want to develop teams. They don't want to promote a product. They don't like our business model. They don't like the profession. Great. She's not a lead for me. But what about women that they're like, oh, I'm looking for a new shake or I'm looking for a skincare product, but no MLMs, like people looking to be customers. That's what trips people up. They're like, why? I have this amazing product. I care. So, so why should trip you up? She's one person. There are 10 people, there are a thousand people in a country of billions and right. most companies are international. So that woman doesn't want it, fine. If you wanna write her a note, hey, say, look, you don't have to take any consideration into my business model. But if you're looking for a great shake or if you're looking for a great skincare, if you're looking for toxic-free makeup, I have a solution for you. If you, if you just really wanna write her a note, write her a note and say that. I mean, it, it, I mean, don't focus on what you can't do, focus on everything you can do. So your advice to women that get tripped up when they see that is just don't pay attention. I mean, it, it really slows them down. And I, I that's choice. That, that that's a choice. choice. That is a choice. Hey, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, there's going to be people who don't like you. They're not going to like your product. They're not going to like your business. You must consider your perception of rejection, right? Mm. And if rejection, mm. like rejection is a choice, right? And we get rejection in all areas of our life. We get rejection if we're dating, we get rejection in business, we get rejection in school. We, like we get rejection all the time. Not everyone's gonna like us, not everybody wants to play with us. Uh, so it has nothing to do, this is just my opinion. It's nothing to do with that woman that doesn't want MLM. What it really has to do with what is your perception of rejection and how bulletproof are you about your business, your product and your business model, right? And if you're gonna allow anyone's disinterest to slow you down or make your doubt, you aren't bulletproof enough. That's your shit. That's not their shit. That's, that's your shit to deal with, right? And Okay, and how do you suggest they deal with it? Well, I'll give you an example. Okay. okay, so it's not a business example, it's a personal example. So um, prior to COVID, I was just starting to date. So I've been divorced for 11 years now. So I was just starting to date. And what slowed me down was I really had this issue with rejection mm. because the last time I dated, I was 22. And when I was 22, if a boy didn't like me, I took it personally. Well, so I had to get my head around and so by, when I decided to start dating, I had been on my own for about, uh, at that time, seven years. Okay, so I gave it plenty of time to move through the whole process. <laughs> so, so once I made the decision to date, it became very evident to me that I didn't want to be that 22-year-old girl. I wanted to move into dating as the woman that I am today. So I had to really embrace the fact that I may dig some guys, but not everybody's going to dig me. And if a guy doesn't dig me, I'm still marvelous. Mm. Okay. So if, so if I can be this 
if I could get to this point with something as vulnerable as dating, yeah. I think network marketers can get to this point. If they don't want your product, if they don't want your business, if they don't like MLM, you're still marvelous. Your products are still marvelous. Your business model is still marvelous. Your company is still marvelous. You've got to own it. So how, got may, to own it. may I ask, what was the mindset, personal development work that you did to shift out of that 22-year-old mindset into the, the woman that you are today? Like, how did you do that? That's a big question. I've been doing personal development for a long time. And my divorce in, in 2010, like really sent me from a, from a good personal development student to a huge personal development student. Cause I had a lot, I, I went through a lot. It'd been a yeah. big transformation for me. And I became more and more clear of who do I want to be and what do I want to do and what do I want my life to look like? And what am I willing to accept? And what am I not willing to accept? And so it's just all a journey and everyone who's listening today, you're all in a different space. You're all in a different journey. You're all at different times in your life and wherever you are, it's perfect. Like where you are, you've created it. You've got at least own that wherever you are, you're created. And if there is a, an area in your life that you're not happy about, whether it's your health or your relationships or creative expression, or your career, personal development, 30 minutes a day of personal development reading, learning to figure yourself out, learning to take charge of your thoughts, learning to be proactive in your response and not reactive in your response, having a clear idea of who you are, the woman you want to be, how you want to walk through the world. Yeah. That's, that's the most important. That will help you in business, in relationships and life more than anything else. Like as going back to what we said earlier, you got to get your head in the game. Yeah. And I want to just piggyback off something you said. You said, if you're not where you want to be, you created that. And I just want to add a little extra to that, which is if you're in a really shitty place, you have low self-esteem, this, that, and the other, I'm going to go ahead and say, it's actually not your fault. It's because of how you were raised, but here's the deal. That's not your fault. What happened to you when you were a kid or whatever is not your fault, but it is your responsibility today to do something about it. It is your, like, if you know, you don't have high self-esteem or you don't have confidence because whatever happened when you were younger, okay, that wasn't your fault. But right now it's your responsibility to learn the tools, the skills, to do the work, to cry, to journal, to do all those things. So I just want to it's, it's sometimes it's hard when people are like, I, you know, I'm here because of me. And it's like, well, that could be true, but also like take the weight off of like, you were just a little piece of clay when you came into earth and you were molded. And so as an adult, if the way you were molded doesn't work for you, you get to remold that. And I think that's what women need to remember is that they actually are the creator of their own life, especially now that they're an adult. So I just wanted to piggyback that. I agree. I was on a podcast yesterday talking to um, young adults and the topic is for a charity that I support. And my topic was overcoming adversity. Mm -hmm. And I started the call by sharing with them the biggest adversities I have faced in my life. So I told these kids about how my older sister's bipolar. So from as long as I can remember till I was eight years old, my older sister basically beat me up every day, like physical abuse, beat me up. I had to do a lot of therapy around that one, right? <laughs> I was sexually abused twice in my 20s at different times in my 20s. My parents had a horrible marriage and 
and they both went on after their divorce to have marvelous loves, but growing up was a very, very negative, hurtful environment. I've had bankruptcy. I've had fire. I've had divorce. I couldn't have children. I was infertile. Um, my second marriage to come home after 15 years and find out he's been having an affair for a year and walked away that day. I mean, it's a lot. And I shared with these kids, hey, life's going to happen. Like shit happens. That's the professional term. Shit <laughs> happens. And it's how we respond. And so to your point, yeah, do we have a lot of things happen to us when we were younger? Of course, we all did. But right now, we design our life. Yeah. And it's how we respond to the things that have happened in our past, how we respond to things that happen day to day. We all have tough things happen. It's called life. And if you're going to be great, if you're going to go on a journey, if you're going to achieve, if you want to tap into your full potential, you're going to get knocked down. You are going to get knocked down. So what is your perception of getting knocked down? Too many people, I think, are living in a bubble, Christy, trying to avoid not getting knocked down. Yeah. Yeah. And they're using, I was raised and he wasn't nice and I didn't have good parents and I didn't have this and I didn't have that and all that. But hey, you know what? Accept it. You don't have to forgive, but you can start with acceptance and do the work. Yeah. This is why the work, it's hard. It's like it takes courage to figure yourself out. Oh. If you're willing to commit to yourself and do the personal development, it can include therapy. It can include journaling. It's hard, but this is why most people are showing happy. If you find the courage to really figure yourself out and come to acceptance and or forgiveness, and then can really live in a state of gratitude for the things that are working in your life, mm -hmm. bam, you can go on to to, to really tap into your potential. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, the way I kind of see it and, and talk to my clients about it is like, we have all these aspects of ourselves. There's fear, there's judgment. There's the version of you in eighth grade when somebody made fun of you and you're still living that over and over and over. And the way I kind of visualize it, some super visual person is that there's like a car and for most people, these aspects of themselves are in the driver's seat. And like them, the one that like has the desire and wants the thing, they're in like the third row. And what, <laughs> and what you need to do is you need to get into the driver's seat. All the other parts of you, they get to be there because that's a part of, that's you, that's your experience. The way that I coach and teach is to actually love on those parts because they just want to be seen. They just want to know that they're safe and okay. But like you're in the driver's seat. And when fear is like, oh my God, we can't do this. It's like, hey, I got you but I'm driving and I, I put the address in the GPS and we're going where we want to go. I know this is going to freak you out, but I'm here. And we're, but this is where we're going. Like, that's how I visualize it um, is like, get into the driver's seat. And I think for some people, they don't even know that they have the option to be in the driver's seat, but they do. Yep. So that's kind of, I, I agree. And that self-compassion, Christy yes. is such a big part of that. I did all the inner child work. I mean, I've loved on my inner, my Yay. little Leslie all the time. But again, it, you got to have the courage to do that, that work. Yeah, you got to be prepared to put in the work and do the shadow work. Yeah. And 
If you're willing to go through the muck of who you really are, man, then you get to experience the empowerment and potential of who you really are. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Last question. And then I will, we will wrap this up. So what are your thoughts? Okay. So again, my business is when hustle meets flow hustle to me is like the work. It's the action. It's the reaching out and the da, 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 da. And then flow is this place where all of, where your mindset, where your belief, where all that momentum of energy meets the action. And now you've got the result. So I'm curious in your opinion, and there's no right or wrong, but what do you think holds more weight, the doing or the being? Oh, that's so funny. You would ask me that question. All right. So (laughs) why is that funny? (laughs) It's funny to me. Okay. So right after the divorce. Okay. 10 years ago or in 2010. So 12 years ago, I went on a retreat. I went to a place called Rancho La Puerta in Tecate, Mexico, which was on the advice of a friend. Oh, it's marvelous. I've been there, I don't know, a dozen times now. And so that was my first exposure to yoga, Mm -hmm. to meditation, Mm -hmm. to crystal sound healing, like none of that. Like none of that was, you know, I was just that linear goal setting, hardworking gal. Yeah. And so I'll never forget being asked to, um, in a class, being asked uh, to draw a line. And if being was on one side and doing was on the other end of the line to rate myself of where I am with being and doing. And literally, Christy, I looked up at this guy and I started laughing and said, I don't know if you've ever said, like, I don't even know what being is. So I have zero being. Like I had zero being. I didn't have a little bit of being. I had zero being. I was all doing. And that was the day I made the choice to start. And again, I had done the personal development reading, but I didn't realize any of these other tools, meditation, which was transformative yoga, which I love crystal, you know, all these spiritual, like my heart, my, the spiritual being side of me just burst open and it was transformational. So to your point, what's more important, I think, again, I'm a balanced gal. I'm a balanced gal, right? I can be all being. How many people do we know that spend all the time being, but they don't do shit and then they wonder why they're not successful, right? right? Or I was a perfect example of all doing and, and hadn't tapped into that flow and that spirituality and that grace and that glow. So I think it's, as always, for me, it doesn't have to be for anyone else, but for me, it's the balance of the two. So 50-50? Or 100-100. Oh, I love why are, they, why are they mutually exclusive? I could be doing right now and still be uh, my connection with you, my connection with the audience. There's a there's an aspect of being in this interview that they feel absolutely. Oh my God. My heart is just like, I am so happy right now. This was such an amazing conversation. I literally asked you everything I wanted to ask you. Um, so thank you so, so much. So before we go, I want you to tell people like, if you have anything going on that they can check out or, or I know you said in the beginning, but I just want you to say it again. And then also all of this is going to be in the show notes so people can find you very, very easily. So go ahead and let them know where they can find you if they want your services. 
Super. Well, again, what I do is either consult with corporate teams and I speak. I'm a professional speaker, so I speak at retreats, leadership retreats, conventions, um, you know, and not just in the direct selling profession. So if what I've said today resonates with you, I've spoke for realtors and I spoke for the construction business. I've spoken for chiropractors. And so if there's a group that you know of that you think this message would resonate, that would be a terrific lead for me. Um, if you're a top leader with a team, I'd love to talk to you. And if you need some of that fresh voice for leadership training or field training, a reference to a leader, a reference to a corporate team. So you can find me, lessuzanne.com. My website tells you everything about me. Um, if you're into a new book, Outrageous Achievement, you can learn about that. You can find that on Amazon. I even, Christy, went into the studio. I did the Audible, and it's been oh, very popular. Yeah, yeah, because I wanted them to hear my energy, yes. my passion, my humor, as I told, because I tell a lot of personal stories. Um, so they have the book, Outrageous Achievement. And certainly you can visit me on Instagram. I go live every Tuesday morning on Facebook Live for some resource for people in the direct selling business, 7 a.m. Pacific time for about 20 minutes, half an hour on Facebook Live. My Facebook is Leslie Zan Consulting. And so I happily welcome you on the Tuesday Facebook Lives. Awesome. All right. I will have that in the show notes. Thank you again. And with that, we will close. What an incredible conversation we just had. I hope you guys gained so much value from that. I hope you learned some nuggets. As you can see, Leslie is definitely a spitfire. Um, her coaching and her consulting is for sure more on that masculine, you know, yang type of doing side. Whereas you guys know, I'm a lot more on that yin feminine flow side. And like she said, it, it's a balance. It truly is. Um, I also wanted to just make an edit. She had reached out to me after we had our conversation and she wanted me to be clear that if uplines create and sell something network marketing specific, and she feels it's super important for their team, she feels like it's really okay to just give it away. She doesn't think that you should be soliciting your team to, to pay for things, right? On the flip side, if you are in your network marketing business and you've gotten to a point where you've got your financial freedom and time freedom, and you decide to create something else like a knitting course, like I gave the example, or like a real estate course or something that has nothing to do with network marketing, she also says that um, you can easily you know, share that. Um, and if your team comes to you, of course you can, you know, sell it to them, but she, her main thing was you don't want to solicit your downline. And I fully agree with that, but she also wanted to make a note that if you are a leader in network marketing and you decide to pursue a, a passion, she encourages it and thinks that, you know, it actually, uh, validates the model. That's the whole point to have time freedom. So just wanted to give that little uh, edit, if you will, and wanted to let you guys know that we have a pre-sale coming for a 
money mindset course in MLM. So if you know that you want to be in my energy, you know that you want to learn more about this uh, money mindset, your money stories, healing any sort of financial trauma, um, I'm going to have a lot more information and slides and a landing page. But if you already know you want to be in my energy and receive the pre-early bird, pre-sale price, I encourage you to DM me today on Instagram at when hustle meets flow. Um, and I will be talking more about this in the next coming weeks. Have an amazing, amazing weekend and we'll see you next time.